The Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Annex Wealth Management is a proud member of the Barron's Top Advisor List and the Financial Times Top 300. Know the difference. It's Team Tech Trust. Sunday morning in Southwest Florida. Here we go. Annex Wealth Management Show is on the air for the 23rd. My name is Danny Clayton. Joining us, Mark Oswald, our Chief Compliance Officer, Annex Wealth Management. Good morning. Good morning, guys. Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer. How are you? I'm very well. Good morning. And Dave Spano, President and CEO of Annex Wealth Management. A packed show today. Uh, we know that some people are sleeping in because the Bonita Brew Fest was yesterday. Right. Exactly. That looked yeah. pretty fun. So if you're sleeping that off, maybe just listening as you uh, lay in bed, that's cool. We've got a packed show for you today. Deanne Phillips and Eric Strom, part of our team at Annex Wealth Management, going to be talking about annuities and the Annex Wealth Management annuity analysis. Guys, you know, since we've rolled this out, we have done over 500 uh, annuity analysis. Oh, is that right? I well, mean, and just, people have them, Danny, as you know, yeah. and they've been sold to them. They've been sold to them. Yes, yeah, they're not bought, they're sold. Exactly And, and right. I believe that comes up in the in the segment. But we got a lot to talk about. Let's talk about the, uh, the trends that you've seen, earnings season slowly winding down, and where do you want to start? Yeah, I think where we start is on Friday morning, there is an indicator called the PMI, and it was worse than we saw in a long time, Derek. And of course, the market did not react favorably on Friday morning. No, it didn't. Uh, the PMI services index, which has really been a, a strong uh, indicator for the U.S. economy. And let me just jump in. PMI is Purchasers Managers Index, which shows what? It, it basically shows their expectations about uh, manufacturing as it applies to services in terms of manufacturing growth. And the, m- the most re- recent reading came in at 49.4, which is below 50. It was the worst, worse than expected. And the first time we've been below 50 since 2013. And, so, and why is below 50 an important number? Well, 50 is sort of like the, the differential between expansion and contraction. So what it's really showing is there has been some weakness recently in the U.S. economy, and this is something that, you know, I think surprised investors on Friday. We came in about down 150 on the Dow, immediately dropped another 150 points. Uh, And so basically people are starting to have to ratchet down their forecast for growth in the coming months. And so where it could have been between 2 and 3% or even high 3%, we're starting to see GDP lower. But what's important about this conversation, Mark, is it is still positive GDP. It is, and so you still have an economy that's growing, and that's why we watch GDP. We talk about it on this show, and I think it's important for investors to look at because you know it, it kind of tells you a lot about what the Fed might do next, what's going on with hiring, what's going on with employment rates. Those are the things that we look at in our investment committee. When you have a positive GDP, you have a growing economy. When you have a growing economy, you're a long ways away from a recession, and that's that that helps investors sleep at night. And of course, you know that everything that was been happening in China with the coronavirus certainly we have to pay attention of that because there is no doubt there will, will be a slowdown in China from this, Derek. Right. The forecasts now are for our Chinese growth in the first quarter to be flat and potentially negative. And this is an economy that typically has grown around 6%. Uh, the president of China came out earlier this week and suggested that by the end of the year, Chinese growth would, would be at trend. Uh, that remains to be seen depending upon how widespread and how long this virus persists and dampening uh, economic growth in China, which is now the second largest economy in the world. 
the other thing that that bullish folks have talked about is they compare it to the SARS virus in 2003. But at that time, the Chinese economy was only 4% of global GDP. That number is now up to 16%. So I'm, my expectation, I think the, the expectation of the investment committee is that volatility, when you combine uncertainty concerning the virus and some of the political uh, proposals that have been generated recently, are going to cause you know more volatility than we saw last year, a year of an unusually low volatility. Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News, Sunday, February 23rd. Know the difference. We always say it. We mean it. It is team, tech, and trust. You can start at AnnexWealth.com and click that Get Started button. And let me just jump in back on that idea, Derek, the fact that the Dow is a price-weighted index. And I want, to be, want you to explain that, and I'm going to ask you a follow-up question. Uh, well, when when indexes are constructed, there is a committee that, that formulates how these indexes are calculated. And years ago, the Dow Jones was essentially based on price. So in other words, a company like Boeing, which trades north of $300, has an impact on the index. Uh, for example, if Boeing at $300 and, and Microsoft, say, at 120 Boeing's going to have two and a half times the impact on that price-weighted index, depending on how it trades. And that's exactly what's going to be my question. So, you know, we're seeing a slowing, of course, in Boeing. And, Mark, that, of course, is going to affect the Dow more than it would affect the S&P. Yeah, right, because you're looking at a cap-weighted index in the S&P versus a price-weighted index in the Dow. So sometimes, you know, on a given day, you'll see the Dow is up and the S&P is down or vice versa. And people wonder, why is that happening? It's this phenomenon that goes on, is that you have one big stock. Let's say, you know, for instance, Goldman Sachs, if, if it has a really bad day, it has a really bad effect on the Dow, but not that much of an effect on the S&P 500. Right. And let me just jump in. I want to stay on economics just for a second. We have a lot of stuff to cover during the show. But we've been watching the dollar in the dollar index. And of course, the dollar is always compared to another currency. But we have to pay attention to this, Derek. Yeah, the dollar um, has had a very strong run, surprising many people. Uh, interest rates in the U.S. remain low. But uh, some would suggest that the dollar strength would warrant potentially an insurance cut on the part of the Fed. And the, and the dollar strength impacts sectors differently. For example, consumer discretion financials and healthcare tend to do better during a period of dollar strength, primarily because they are more U.S. focused. So the, the stronger dollar isn't dampening demand overseas, where in sectors like technology, which warrants, you know, 60% of their revenues come, come from overseas economies, it can have a negative impact on their earnings and forecasts concerning dollar translations. And let me just say, everyone should pay attention to this, because if that is peaking and starts to weaken, that is good for certain sectors, and we're paying attention to that. And Danny, I have to tell you, there's a lot of things that people should do in their portfolio. One of them is to do a portfolio review. There's a way to get this done. It sure is. And you can do it this weekend. You can do it on a Sunday morning. You can set it up. Head to AnnexWealth.com. You click that Get Started button. opens up a simple dialog box. We'll get some contact information from you, some very basic information uh, about where you're at. And then I think the most important thing is right at the bottom, tell us a little bit about yourself. Now, we'll get to know you. We'll get to know where you're going, what you want to do with your investment and your retirement plan. But I think that's a very important part. So again, AnnexWealth.com, clicking that Get Started button. We're a Barron's Top Advisor, four-time member of the Financial Times Top 300, most importantly, a fee-only fiduciary partner. More to come. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show, and you are listening to 92.5 Fox News. This is Dave Spano from Annex Wealth Management. It's time to put an investment and retirement plan in place and on target. It's time to gain clarity and understanding and move toward your goals with confidence. It's time to get started with Annex Wealth Management. Head to AnnexWealth.com and click the Get Started button. 
put the Annex team to work and see the difference. Our investment, financial planning, tax, and estate teams will demonstrate clear thinking and produce sound recommendations. The best part? We work in your best interest as a fee-only fiduciary. Our commitment runs so deep, we put it in writing for every client. Does your advisor do that? 2020 is going to be quite a year. Between the impact of the SECURE Act to the November election, be ready with a solid financial plan from a team focused on client goals, not handing you a list of commission products to buy. Know the difference. Team Tech Trust. Head to AnnexWealth.com. I'm Dave Spano, and I hope to see you soon. Team Tech Trust. Straight talk from a fee-only fiduciary. It's time to know the difference. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. It's another team segment at Annex Wealth Management. Eric Strom, financial planning specialist at Annex. Welcome back. Thank you for having me. And Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development, CFP, and a CDFA at Annex Wealth Management. Good to see you. And good to see you, Danny. We're going to talk about annuities, which can tend to confound and confuse many people, even though they can be useful in properly constructed retirement portfolios. So, Eric, let's start at the beginning. What exactly is an annuity? The original purpose of an annuity has been to provide a guaranteed income for your whole life. Annuities go back as far back as the Roman times. Back then, the more prosperous Romans would often buy what was called an annua. You would hand over a pot of money, and then once a year, you would receive a guaranteed income for as long as you live. But today, things are pretty different. Uh, The concept of an annuity is really adapted to modern uh, needs, and there are now investment vehicles that are incredibly complicated, some of them very expensive, that have guarantees, and things are a little different today, but it's a pretty interesting uh, landscape out there. It sounds good, right? So, Deanne, where do annuities pick up their, shall we say, checkered reputation? Well, here's the deal. They are an insurance product. That means there are commissions generated from them, from the sale of these products. And those commissions can actually be quite hefty. They're very confusing. They're layered. And a lot of times people just don't understand the reason behind having the annuity to begin with. What's that old saying? Annuities aren't bought, they're sold. That's exactly it. It's true that consumers aren't going out there looking for annuities. They're going out there looking for professional financial advice, and they're often presented with annuities. And these can often be very, very complicated vehicles. And that's what we're here to help with. And they don't help their reputation, their own reputation, because they can be really complex. There are variable annuities that can come with a lot of different bells and whistles. For example, if someone buys one annuity in 2010 and then you buy the same exact product in 2011, it might be a completely different product. Uh, They change over time. They have lots of optional features. Oftentimes we see clients who have an annuity they bought seven or eight years ago. Uh, Maybe they don't have a a relationship with the person who sold it to them, and the annuity is in set it and forget it mode, and that's where they really need that expert advice. Deanne, we do have plenty of clients, they come to us with annuities in their portfolios, brand new clients. And do you find that our clients understand what it is that they've got? They're familiar with the word annuity. And sometimes that can go back to their 403B or the 401k. So their company plan where when they retire, they can be offered either a lump sum so they can take that money they've been contributing out or the company can annuitize it or offer them an income stream. So they're familiar a little bit with, oh yeah, I think I have this option in my retirement plan. But they're often frustrated because if they've gone to a traditional brokerage relationship outside of their retirement, 
very often they are sold these. And sometimes they're sold them when the market goes crazy. And the, the advisor may hear them being a little concerned about the market. So they say, well, I'll tell you what, this can lock in a potential guarantee income stream for you. I mean, we've had clients that have come to us. This one came to us. The same broker had sold her five different annuities over a handful of years. And the thing is, this was a woman who already was bringing in more income than she spent. So it created a tax problem, actually. This is where she came to me and she's like, oh my gosh, I, I, I don't know why I have these. I don't know if there's anything I could do with them. Do I have to turn them all on? And the thing is, some of them had those, as Eric said, bells and whistles. Those are extra riders. And I think this is also confusing and frustrating to our clients. When you hear the word rider, you should actually think ching ching, because that's actually, you've spent money usually to purchase that rider. Maybe it's worth it. Maybe it's not. And that's where analysis comes into play. And that's really important. But the first question really you have to ask is, wait, why do I need these? And what do they do for me in my plan? Eric, we're looking at you and the financial planning team. So you've started an effort to help people with annuity analysis. What kind of things are you discovering? You can imagine we've seen a lot. So here are a few things that we've found. Number one, uh, your annuity might be much more expensive than you realize. Uh, although I'll throw in the caveat that expensive is not always bad. On the surface, it seems like if my investment is expensive, that doesn't seem like a good thing. But oftentimes, a very, very expensive variable annuity, for example, might have really good guarantees that, that you depend on. We may recommend that you keep the annuity for those. But in many cases, folks might not need those guarantees, And in which case we very frequently meet clients who are paying 3 3.5% or more in annual fees for benefits that they don't even really need. So it's very important that uh, if your annuity is expensive, that you know how it's working and make sure that you actually need that benefit. Another thing we often see are annuities that have very limited investment options, and those investment options are oftentimes super expensive. So you might have a variable annuity that has 15 investment options, and they're going to limit you on how much you can invest in equities, and those investment options, you kind of look under the hood at how much they cost, and you go, wow, this annuity is already pretty expensive, and you add this cost on top of it. When we start looking under the hood at these annuities, you really can find um, some of these details that you got to make sure you understand them. So that annuity analysis, that's good stuff. Eric Strom, financial planning specialist at Annex, part of the financial planning team at Annex, and a great source of annuity knowledge. Thanks for your time. Thank you so much for having me. And Dion Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development, CFP and CDFA at Annex Wealth Management. Thanks to you as well. Hey, thanks for having me. This is Dave Spano from Annex Wealth Management, where we ask you to know the difference. The Wall Street Journal has published a list of questions to ask your financial advisor. The very first one is, are you a fiduciary and are you willing to put that in writing? We've been asking people listening to our show to do that for years. That's just one of the ways to know the difference between financial advisors. People come to us every day with what I call a mishmash. Statements here and there, overlapping investments, no consolidation. Annex Wealth Management can clean that up and put it in order. Our team of investment, tax, and estate planners will work to make sure your plan is clear and coordinated. If this makes sense to you, or if you want a second opinion on your investments and retirement planning, go to AnnexWealth.com. You can learn more there, or simply hit the Get Started button and start the process. AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference. I'm Dave Spano from Annex Wealth Management. I hope we see you soon. Team. Tech. Trust. Straight talk from a fee-only fiduciary. It's time to know the difference. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. We are back. It is time for Ask Annex. If you have a question for us, head to AnnexWealth.com. 
on the right-hand side, you'll see a little tab called Discover. When you click that, you're going to see a couple of important things. The first is the Know the Difference checklist. Review that. Uh, go through that and see if your advisor does that. Know the Difference checklist. Right below it is where you can give us a question for Ask Annex. And our first today is from Jeff. It says, equity momentum has slowed. What groups should we focus on for leadership? Well, I mean, I, I do agree with him that equity momentum has slowed from a very high high rate of appreciation. I mean, 30% last year, a very strong start in January. What does he mean by leadership, though? What does that mean? Well, what, he, what he's really asking is what stocks are going to outperform the averages going forward. And what I tend to look at is, you know, company fundamentals. So as Mark mentioned earlier in the program, earnings season was much better than people thought. Tech had a great quarter, great beat rates on earnings and revenues. Uh, financials, they grew their earnings about 15% in a relatively flat environment. And healthcare did well also. So I would look to those areas uh, for, for new ideas. I would obviously look at my portfolio as well, because some of these ideas are probably owned in other places in a person's portfolio. Uh, so we're obviously looking for opportunistic ways to pick off really great names in the tech sector, healthcare sector, and financial sector. The one area I'd avoid, though, is this coronavirus, you know, has caused the yield curve to flatten. So I want to avoid bond-like stocks, such as utilities and consumer staples at this point. It's Ask Annex. Our next one comes from Axel. When was the last time you heard Axel? I yeah. love that name. Guns and Roses. Rosen, right? Um, are your client investments in mutual funds, ETFs, or individual stocks? Yes. <laughs> Next, yeah, next, next question. question. The one right. question, yeah. one question only. Yeah, right. right. Remember, they used to call and say, uh, yep. can I ask you a question? Yep, yep you just you did. did. One it. question, yeah. click. Move on. Yeah, of course. They're in all three of those. They're in mutual funds, exchange-traded funds, and individual stocks. And it really depends on who the client is. You know, every person who comes through goes through a risk profile. And we understand, we try to understand what their thinking is, what their assets are, what their experience is, and then we build a portfolio. And Mark, all three of these have a place in a portfolio. They certainly do. And you start to think about about large capitalizations, medium capitalizations, and small cap stocks, and you think about U.S. versus international, there's places within the style box that, that active management really pays off because, you know, just think about international. You want to have boots on the ground. You want to have a fund manager that has access to people in that country or that sector of the world or that sector of the economy that are experts in it so that they're when they're looking at companies, they can discern between the good, the bad, and the ugly. So the, when you're really looking at that, that active management, of a mutual fund pays off. Other style boxes, you start thinking about large cap U.S. companies. It's hard to beat the S&P 500 for fund managers. Most of them don't do it. So why would you pay a manager? Use an ETF in that space, perhaps. So there's a lot of different decisions that can be made there as to what investment works best in each sector. Can I ask a quick question? Sure. When ETFs came in, were they expected to be a mutual fund killer? Did they think that they'd be different or better? Well, no, but Derek, they were. They came out as indexes, and what's shocking right now, and that's a great question, Danny, there are more ETFs than there are individual securities. It's just mind-blowing, Derek. Yeah, they, they were kind of a follow-on to index funds. You know, Jack Bogle at, at Vanguard gets most of the credit for popularizing that idea, and Warren Buffett over the years has certainly uh, seconded that notion, this, the idea being that for a do-it-yourselfer or for someone who really doesn't focus on investing all the time, 
buying an index is an easy way to gain exposure, not make the mistakes that most people do, which is to basically sell low and buy high. And it's and it's proven out. I mean, over the last 10 years with a very unusual interest rate environment, active managers have had a difficult time keeping up with the S&P, primarily because they're unwilling to wait at the, the level they need to some of the bigger components in the index. Let's try to squeeze one more in, yep. Danny. This one's from John. We've got about a minute. How long is the process to become a client and have my investments in your system? So everyone who comes in, we go through this profile, and we had a prospect come in on Friday, and we made them a client that day. So it can be that quick. We can fill it out. You know, we use the independent custodians like Fidelity, Schwab, and TD Ameritrade while they're still uh, standing. And we use, and you can open those accounts directly. We can get those uh, up and running in a hurry. But normally what we do is we take the profile from a client, we build that out, and then we create two deliverables for every person who comes in. And one is a framework for a financial plan, and the second is a portfolio review. Everybody gets that. So it's really a depends answer. You can do it, and you can do it this weekend. Head to AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. It's just that easy. This is Dave Spano from Annex Wealth Management. It's time to put an investment and retirement plan in place and on target. It's time to gain clarity and understanding and move toward your goals with confidence. It's time to get started with Annex Wealth Management. Head to AnnexWealth.com and click the Get Started button. Put the Annex team to work and see the difference. Our investment, financial planning, tax, and estate teams will demonstrate clear thinking and produce sound recommendations. The best part? We work in your best interest as a fee-only fiduciary. Our commitment runs so deep, we put it in writing for every client. Does your advisor do that? 2020 is going to be quite a year. Between the impact of the SECURE Act to the November election, be ready with a solid financial plan from a team focused on client goals not handing you a list of commission products to buy. Know the difference. Team Tech Trust. Head to AnnexWealth.com. I'm Dave Spano, and I hope to see you soon. Team Tech Trust. Straight talk from a fee-only fiduciary. It's time to know the difference. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. Yeah, we're back. Barron's top advisor, four-time member of the Financial Times Top 300, a fee-only fiduciary partner. You can start at AnnexWealth.com. Dave Spano, i got to ask, do you remember in the old days when you could barely ever see a Tesla on the road? And when right. you saw one, one was pretty special. Now, you see them all the time. And of course, Danny, you can not only do you see them all over the place, but if, in fact, you know their technology is being picked up by other companies. And I don't think we can deny at all that battery-operated cars are here to stay. And of course, their technology will be used in other manufa- by other manufacturers. Guys, are, are they shifting more to? Are they going to be just a tech company? Is that what they really want to be called more well, than an automotive company? Well, I think just the fact that Elon Musk is Elon Musk, and of course, you know, he makes rockets on the side. He's right. a pretty smart right. guy. So I think we need to pay attention to it. The stock, of course, has just been. On a rocket run, it was gone from the mid-200s to touched off 950 this week. And so we have to pay attention to it. And there's other stocks that, of course, that are happening that we clearly want to discuss, Mark. One of the big things that we saw this week is E-Trade, which is, of course, a discount broker, was bought by Morgan Stanley, which, of course, is not a discount broker. You would think this is not a marriage made in heaven, right? I mean, these are are polar ends of, of the... Populous for some for some people, you know, you got this silk stocking Wall Street firm, and then you've got 
E-Trade, which has been a function of getting individual investor accounts open and people trading in those accounts. So you put those two things together, and it'll be it's going to be interesting to see because it really follows the Schwab TD Ameritrade deal that happened earlier in the year, and I think that it was one more platform that was yet to be purchased, and Morgan Stanley went ahead and tried to scoop it up. And is it the death of the discount broker is right. part of the conversation because now there is now two less than there were just a month ago. But you look at it, Derek, there was they, there was $360 billion of assets under management on the E-Trade platform, of which Morgan Stanley paid $13 billion. So they see value here for sure. No, they do. I mean, Morgan Stanley currently trades at about 10 times earnings. They're buying E-Trade at about 12 times earnings. So obviously they see value there because they are paying up. And one of the things they can do with that $360 billion in client assets is, is turn around and loan that money out and generate a higher return than they're paying on those assets currently. In addition, it may allow Morgan Stanley to get into the RIA custody business, something that they have basically not been a big player in. And that's been certainly a profitable business as RIAs continue to gain market share. How bad was it 11 years ago uh, during the financial crisis for Morgan Stanley? They barely made it, right? They did. And there was there's a famous YouTube that we talked about, you know, 10 years ago, Mark, of course, that the then CEO uh, had a conniption when he got called by the Federal Reserve to say, you need to take this money. And he didn't want it. But of course, they had to take it and they needed it. Uh, And all of those firms, you can even think about Goldman Sachs. Mark talked about silk stocking firms. Goldman Sachs had to even take money from Uncle Warren Buffett back then. So, you know, everyone needed capital and they were at the brink, Mark, at that point. They certainly were. And I think that this is the cautionary tale, I think, for people listening this morning, is when you have this consolidation, especially in financial services, the opportunity exists for there to be less choices for people out there. And I think it's important when you're working with an advisor that you're working with independent custodians, you're working with somebody who doesn't manufacture their own product. When you think about Morgan Stanley or E-Trade or some of the others, you're talking about big banks with big trust companies, with investment houses, with investment bankers that create products. All those kinds of things are potential pitfalls for investors. So you want to make sure that you're working with an RIA that's independent and that can have some pricing pressure for you. They're going to go out and negotiate better deals. We've created deals with our custodians where we're trading for zero dollars. And the reason that that's good for clients is that cost is a drag on performance. So when you work with a large fee-only fiduciary advisor like Annex, you have somebody that can command a pricing structure that's favorable for our clients. And that really gets to the end of the day to the performance of those accounts. Back, I, back in the day, what were the uh, commissions on when you were making trades? Yeah, I mean, I've heard some outlandish it's hundreds, figures. hundreds of. Hundreds I mean, you, you of trade hundred shares of, of of GM, and you know, you'd pay seven hundred dollars to do it. it. Those days are gone, thankfully, in our part of the uh, the industry. So when you're dealing with somebody who's a fiduciary, cost matters. Work with somebody who's got the size to negotiate deals for you. We've negotiated zero trading for our clients, and it really has benefited those and, relationships. And it reduces the friction, Mark. You, and, you know, that's one of the and the key, bias, right? And of course, that has been one of the core thesis of being a fiduciary and acting in the best interest of our clients. Now, I know some brokerage firm, firms say that they do, but what do we do that's different? Well, it's different because when you're a sometime fiduciary or a fiduciary in name only, you know, you talk to your person and you say, are you acting in my best interest? You're bound to get, yeah, I'll act in your best interest. But when there's a legal standard of care, a fiduciary has a legal standard of care to always act in your best interest at all times. And the way that you ensure 
that that's how you're getting treated in your relationship is you make sure that they put that in writing. Our agreement with our clients, we put it in writing for every client. It's paragraph number one. It says, in this relationship, we will be a fiduciary to you in all aspects. That's important. If your person's not doing that, you are right to be wary. You're right to ask questions to go out and make sure that you're getting the kind of relationship that you deserve from your financial advisor. NX Wealth Management is a Barron's top advisor, four-time member of the Financial Times Top 300, a fee-only fiduciary partner. If we can help, head to AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. That's it for this week. Have a great one. We'll see you. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. The Annex Wealth Management Show is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. 